Well, yeah, Star Trek Discovery is on hiatus this week, and the captain, John Weber himself, is building something crazy to Starbase 80. So you're stuck with me on this episode of Commander's Law. We're going back to the first two episodes of Discovery ever. Strap in. We'll be back after the break. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, what's going on, everybody? It's Little Boys hanging out here in the USS Post Show's Commander's Log. We break down Stars with Discovery and eventually Strange New Worlds. When that show goes live, the show itself, Discovery, is on hiatus, but that's okay because we're gonna go through the first two episodes of this show, um, of that show. But this show, Commander's Law, is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. So gracious, so thankful they sponsored. We're talking about the first two episodes of Discovery that is the Vulcan Hello and the Battle at the Binary Stars. What's going on, Craig Robinson? Uh, well, thanks so much for being part of the show. You see, Captain John. We have this sister show. It's called Starbase 80 every Sunday on the Starbase 80 Twitter and Facebook pages. He's out there making something really special this week where he gets to stump me and Star Trek lore. So let me set the stage. Because I say this a lot of times in the show, but I don't really know this. But Star Trek Discovery was the first ever Star Trek that I ever saw. That I ever watched. See, I, my friends were into TNG. I know some of my older uh, friends of friends, my, my parents' friends were all into you, the original series. But I want to get back to 2018. Now, the show came out the year before, but I got lucky enough to be able to be booked as a wedding DJ. That's my real, I won't say day job, because weddings are usually weekends and nights, right? But my my main job is I DJ weddings and events. Learn more at flobito.com. I had a chance to DJ a wedding in Italy, which was really cool. Um, I couldn't afford doing it, but I figured I had to go for my business. I wanted to get my name out there. I figured get some cool pictures in Italia and I will set my business on fire. And I actually mentioned this in my book, uh, uh, not to make this a book promo, but I have a book. It's called Graduation Day. It's available on Amazon. I really talk about this in depth in that chapter, but basically I didn't have any money to afford this Italian trip. So I went on a shoestring budget. I mean, I planned one meal a day. I brought snacks and beef jerky from America in my pack to experience uh, the Italian cities of Rome and Naples. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with the Star Trek thing. <laughs> so I was there for a week. Uh, after the wedding, which was on day four of my trip, uh, I was broke. I was in a small town in Fiore, and I was broke. I had just enough money to get the cab back to the train, back to my thing. Uh, good question, JLJ. I'll get to that in just quite a second. But I was absolutely broke. I didn't know what to do, and... I just said, let me just check out Netflix to pass the time this free day in Fiore. Now, Fiore is near the Amalfi Coast. 
one of the most beautiful places in the world, but it was November. So I couldn't even take a bus or anything because the buses weren't running because tourists weren't there. I couldn't afford a rental car, didn't have all the cool food options. I was really in a corner of this. And I saw Discovery because outside the United States, at that time, Star Trek Discovery was on Netflix. And if you guys know me, I'm a big comic book person. Um, and I, before I get to why, like the correlation of Discovery, I want to answer DLJ's question. He asked, how did I not watch anything Star Trek before Discovery? It's a very good question. TOS is before my time. By the time I was a kid, there was TNG. Um, and I saw it through a friend of my parents. My parents were super strict, super religious. So sci-fi wasn't a big thing with them. Even though ironically, like Mormons tend to be very good sci-fi writers and they're religious. But my parents were Protestants but were really into that. My mom's friend uh, would come over on Saturday afternoons to help her write um, not her dissertation, her thesis uh, for her master's program. And TNG would be on TV in the afternoon, and her friend, her friend Rochelle, was into that. So I would see bits and pieces of it. On UPN, I know The Rock was on an episode of Voyager because of the cross-promotion of SmackDown and Voyager. I know Enterprise came after that. I just kind of understood people were in a spaceship, they were in a saucer, and they roamed through space. But back to this hotel in Italy, it was... As a big Green Lantern fan, I was instantly blown away by the visuals, the expanse of space, the different alien cultures, the textures, the color palette. I was hooked. And I said, man, maybe because I'm broke and I have nowhere to go, but I was just floored about Star Trek. Now, again, Dale J says, I, I saw the, what they call, um, the Kelvin timeline, the J.J. Abrams movies, but no, I haven't seen. And I know the con meme from the second movie, uh, but no, I wasn't really into Star Trek. So I was, I was hooked. I was floored. The idea of this person who looked like me, from a perspective of a commander, not being the person behind the chair, being do this, do that, do that. Episode alien leave uh, to me was amazing. You start off on a planet. We start off trying to hail a, 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 a rescue, uh, I guess, a pickup, a beam up situation. So I was all about that. Came back home, got everything. Craig Robbins, you were there. Seeing the people's eyebrow in Voyager was great. Here's the thing about that. The Rock was an episode of Voyager. UPN that week had that same shot of The Rock through the eyebrow. And I still tuned in. Knew nothing about the world. But I, was like, I wanted to do The Rock. <laughs> but what made me work, what made me attached to Discovery was the expanse of space. There is no Green Lantern TV show. I love the fact many different alien cultures are interacting with each other. It was a space mystery. It wasn't like Star Wars. It wasn't a pew, 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 even though I eventually came. But it was like, who are these people? Who are, who are the Klingons? And I say Klingons specifically because that's the first time I saw a Klingon. <laughs> so when I saw a Klingon with hair and with warp, I'm like, why does he look so different? But most Star Trek fans are the opposite. All right. So I became a fan. I went backwards. I got on the show with uh, Christian Blatt over at After Buzz, and, and then we had our show together, season two, branched out my own. So I love this. And the reason why I did it was because of the interactions of the alien races. We see the Klingons. We see the humans. We see Starfleet. It's not perfect. Discovery, or the Senju, excuse me, in episode one, already doesn't look like it's in tip-top shape. There isn't that sense of like, we're boldly going where no one has gone before. No, it is definitely well-worn, well-broken in. And Craig Robinson says it. How funny that one of your first Klingons was Takuvma. So here's the deal about the Takuvma thing. Uh, when I got 
we were Christian Blatt and I were on uh see Christian Blatt, Frank Moran, and myself were on the show, the Star Trek Discovery After Show. I came back from Italy, like, I gotta talk about this. And we're all on the show together, and and Christian was and Frank are just two geniuses, and I felt so out of sorts. I didn't really know how to interact with these guys who do Star Trek like the back of their hands. But they said, what do you think about the episode? I go, oh, it's cool, but it's, it's kind of weird everyone's saying Ovma. And for some reason, that like enamored me to them. So Takuma has a very warm heart to me. Looking at my notes here. Uh, so yes, there was the different kind of alien races. There were a lot of humanoid ones and there were subhumanoid ones. A lot of the other Star Trek shows all the aliens are basically guys in masks or costumes. But when they're on that planet, we saw the little roly polies. I thought it was pretty cool that they were able to build these, these other creatures. So there's other different kinds of life forms. Don't want to mention the score. The score is my favorite part. I like the theme song to Discovery. I pumped it in my car for six months afterwards. But it's not just a memory lane thing. We're going into the actual plot of the show. So the Vulcan hello was something I wanted to know going in. It was a mystery. What is a Vulcan hello? I know live long and prosper. We understand, which I thought was pretty poignant towards the end of that episode, that it really was like their way of responding to Klingon aggression. How they basically hit the, the guy in the prison, almost sort of speak, to show their dominance, but in the way it garners their respect. And I thought to myself, leave it to the Vulcans to have that sense of logic when dealing with this planet, this race of people who feel oppressed. They were majestic in their own right, but the Klingons felt they had more to their glory and they wanted more. I guess what I'm saying here is that it's very clear that even though the Klingons look aggressive, in the two hours of the two-hour pilot, we saw a bit of a hierarchy in the families. We saw what they want, their pride of their people, what the outliers looked like. And I thought that was pretty cool. There was no evil. There was no good between the humans, between Starfleet, between the Klingons, between all those races. Everyone wanted something. And those two hours, I was on a ride as to what that was. I can imagine um, people always talk about their family lineages and where they came from. And everyone always says, we came from kings. doesn't matter if you're uh, African or, or Mexican or, in my case, Caribbean. We came from kings that were conscripted and against our will as slaves. I wanted to go back to that. I was a kid in the 90s with the Back to Africa movement was big. I'm not saying Klingons are African. Don't, don't get my words twisted. I'm saying I identified with a people who felt they lost their way. The whole making America great again thing comes from that too. People who think that America was one way and they want to go back to that. On the other side, I understand the U.S. Sessionju wanted to discover, discover new planets, explore new things. That scene where, where Burnham is flying in that spacesuit and checking out uh, the Klingon warship rock crit planet thing had me going, yeah, this felt good. It reminds me of the movie Gravity. They were okay with showing us uh, or, or making us not hear sounds. They're okay with showing us how wide and how vast space was. It was awesome. Now, Michelle Yeoh was a living legend in her own right. And going forward into the fourth season of Discovery and seeing Taryn or seeing Mira Giorgio See, classic Giorgio was great. She was a mother figure, someone that took Burnham in on a level. And Burnham is one of the most contentious characters in Star Trek lore. In fact, one of the first disagreements I had with Frank Moran was about the role of Michael Burnham. She was an undiscovered, untalked about sister throughout the entire canon of the first series of Star Trek. But now it was understood and applied. She was a adoptive daughter of Sarek and adoptive brother of Spock. And in season two, they go into that. In fact, next week, we're going to have Nikki Bailey on the show. We're going to ask her about that whole relationship, too. 
What I liked about Michael Burnham, though, what I liked about Star Trek Discovery, it wasn't the picture of the captain cross-legged sitting on top of the bridge saying, hit it, or warp speed, or belay that order, or whatever. It wasn't someone doing commands like that. George Joe was a captain with compassion. That was okay with teaching Burnham cool things as far as like uh, using her ingenuity of making that signal to be hailed or having her walk through her thinking process. Burnham is the perspective of the show. She wasn't a captain herself. She was a commander. The show is called Commander's Log for that reason. An audience surrogate being a number one was the best place to put me. It wasn't me rooting for a captain because of whatever. It was somebody who had their own reasons, that had their own resolve, can say, I disagree with what you're doing. Here's what we should do. And whether she's right or wrong, that's up for debate. I never got the hate Discovery got after these two episodes. So many of my friends, when I would tell them, hey, look, I'm, I'm into Star Trek now. I love Discovery. They would say, that's not real Star Trek. But what is real Star Trek? Is it not learning about different kind of cultures and races? Is it not understanding what Starfleet's about and the ideal of exploration? Whatever you call the general order one or the prime directive, is it not about exploring and causing minimal damage? Is it not trying to preserve the lives of many? I, I don't know. But this was the language that spoke to me. And I understand that more than ever. And going back and watching these first two episodes, if you guys have listened to Commander's Log, you know there's certain things I don't like. I didn't like the fact that Gray had nothing to do all season. I didn't like that Tilly had visions of her former friend. Uh, the mycelial network is a cool concept, but it took me too long to get there. But even though this one seemed dark and dour and a war literally broke out, there was a bit of hope what the future could be. You know, you hear stories online about uh, people from different races or cultures being represented in the media, whether they're, they're news anchors or whether they're athletes. And people go, wow, what a great moment. And I say, I want to treat my words carefully here. It's a big moment today. But Star Trek, as optimistic as it is, it says having a workplace where many different alien races work together can be not a big deal. It's a big deal today, but hopefully representation and diversity cannot be a big deal. Let's talk about that insurrection. Michael Burnham, I, you know, it must have been hard for her to look at her mentor, look at our commanding officer and decide, I'm going to work in what's best interest for everyone else. <laughs> something I wouldn't have done. But I understand. When you love something so much, when you love someone so much, you may be able to say, hey, look, this is not what you told me to do, but it's for your own benefit. I don't know if it's a friend that's drunk at the bar. I don't know if it's disagreeing with a parent saying something racist. I think we've all been in that situation where someone you know, love and respect, says something you know that it's for their own be their benefit to go in another direction. Now, I wouldn't try to knock out my superior, but that's why I'm not in Starfleet, y'all. That's why I'm just a communications officer of the USS Post Show. <laughs> this is why I rely on my captain, John Weber, to walk me through that. The Huthma. Also, I thought it was cool, and I, and I understand that later on that's not really a case, the show at first did a lot to put a lot of our new fans on board to what things were. It didn't drop us in to the point where we didn't know what was going on. The star date wasn't even a star date. It was it was an American date. It was May 11, 2256. I was like, oh, I know this is in the future. The score put me in a cinematic kind of mind, like CSI, where you have like a big budget, a big contained movie within an hour or two. Not saying Discovery should be canceled. 
But if episodes one and two ended, it would be a complete story. It was a beginning, a threat. Our hero did something and she paid a price for it. It was complete, but it left me wanting more. Craig Robinson writes, well, self-love, I appreciate this girl going against the former planet with their own beat. Yes, that's the thing. It's going to start off jarring to people, but ultimately it makes the most sense. I make this reference a lot on the show, so bear with me, but now I have the time because I can totally be as, as, as poetic as I like. But I grew up reading Archie comics. Archie comics to me threw me back to a time where I was doing so well in school, I was doing bad. I was reading so advanced of all my, my classmates in public school that I would get bored and crack jokes and I would get myself in trouble. My parents supplemented my learning with taking me to lessons, so extra classes at school, not for tutoring, but to get me ahead of everyone else. Props to my parents. Because I know if I was born a decade later, they probably gave me some medication or something. You know, My reading teacher, or my tutor, Mr. Elliot, won't forget him, one of the people you meet in life that changed your life forever, used to give me Archie comics because I read so much, I read so fast, I read so much, but I didn't read anything that was interesting to me. I can tell you what happened in Mark Twain's uh, Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer, but I didn't care. He gave me Archie comics because he's like, they're comics, they're short, they're five pages, they're great. I grew up with Archie Andrews trying to date De Betty and Veronica. I grew up with Jughead trying to eat burgers and just be a chill guy. So when Riverdale, the CW show came out, I was upset. I go, this is not my Archie. My Archie had to deal with classes and Mr. Weatherby and, and avoiding Moose the bully. Sometimes he's kind of like a, a apologetic hero kind of thing. Riverdale was a mystery. It was murders. It was scandals. It was gangs. And I said, this is not my Archie. I won't claim this. But here's what I realized. The year after, when I went to Comic-Con, everyone was wearing Southside Serpent jackets. Everyone was saying Team Bughead. As much as I love Archie comics and Jughead and Archie, no one was talking about that. It was a deep cut even for nerds. But through Riverdale, a whole generation of people got on board. And I said, that is more important to the fandom whether or not a certain flavor is for me. I watched an episode here and there, cool. But I go to the grocery store and I buy an Archie comic every couple months. It's my jam. So I get fans who are like, you know what? Discovery isn't my cup of tea, but I respect it. But when someone goes, Discovery is not Star Trek, and I go, prove it, they can't. They can't. Burnham cries too much. Oh, yeah, Kirk never cried. Oh, it's too much drama. There's no dramas on the show. DS9 had no drama at all. <laughs> well, you know, it's all special effects. Okay, would you want people in the ready room for an hour and a half? You let me know. There's no holodeck, so <laughs> what do you want this to do? And this is why I love this show so much. And going back uh, into the two episodes really put me back in love with this. Uh, I have some notes here before I get out of here. You've seen me ramble long enough. I go, uh, I forgot about Scared Saru. <laughs> I forgot about uh, the dude that was shaking in his boots saying, Are you sure you want to do this? Or talk to the captain to listen to you. To see how far Saru came really warms my heart. Told if Bridge Crew is another one. Um, oh, I realized that Burnham is my captain. The first captain I ever saw was Lorca. And people always ask me, am I Cisco? Am I Picard? Am I Kirk? Uh, but Burnham is my captain. Um, not only is the importance of her as a black woman, I did realize this, that her hair takes a journey. And you know how important black hair is, especially to women of color, having it 
pressed a certain way when she was okay, having it frizz out when she was in uh, the break for insurrection later on, having it grow out when she goes to the future, having the braids now. It's kind of like a cool, I feel like if I was in film school again, I'd probably write a whole paper based on that. Uh, I said about the expanse of space. Uh, I like how uh, Burnham accidentally stabs the fuck <laughs> that Klingon security guard. <laughs> Whoops. Um, I haven't caps here. I just mentioned this. I get why people hate Discovery. It's the story of one person in the first episode. I think it really has much about impatience from the fan base than anything else. Um, I personally like the engineering uniforms of Discovery. Also, going back and seeing Enterprise and seeing the original series, I understand to make that missing link was a hard thing, a hard needle to thread. The costume designers of Discovery nail it. Um, my favorite quote the first episode I have from um, Philippa Giorgio. She says, battle is not a simulation. It's blood and screams and funerals. Is that not the truth? Go on, Michelle. Yo. Woo. Um, uh, to me, it was amazing. And one question I have for you guys, if you're listening right now, thanks to you guys for watching right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Question for you. Uh, is Starfleet in this iteration, if you guys watch the episode, is this version of Starfleet imperialistic? Were the Klingons right going towards this? I would, I'm curious to see what you guys feel. I thought they were both right in what they wanted. I think they were both right in the presentation. But with Starfleet imperialistic, you guys let me know in the chat. And I really hated our Admiral Brett Anderson. I forgot about him. I forgot about Brett Anderson. Uh, total central casting. Total jingoistic. Like, yeah, we're doing what's, what's right. He deserved... Uh, to be erased <laughs> from that. Um, yeah. That's it for me. Burden plays guilty at the end of the second episode, and it's totally fitting that she doesn't fight it. She knows what she's done, and that sets up the whole world. That even though she did something that you don't do, and that's pretty much inside insurrection, she, as a hero, accepts her fate, and now I was on board. What happened to Burnham? Thankfully, unfortunately for me, when I came across Discovery, season one was already on Netflix wholesale. So I watched the first six episodes. I got back to the United States. I paid for CBS All Access at the time to watch it back half of that. And thankfully, the, the month after, season two dropped. So I was super spoiled. Getting season one basically lockstep with season two. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Of the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, uh, that is The Vulcan Hello, Episode 1, and The Battle of the Binary Stars, Episode 2, uh, is featuring the NCC-1648 USS Shinju, and eventually Star Trek Discovery appears in Episode 3. It has been a rough a ride and a half for me, a great ride and a half for me, watching these two episodes. Captain John and I will be back together on Starbase 80 this Sunday. Check that out on the Starbase 80 channel. Uh, as far as Commander's Log, there is a hiatus for Star Trek Discovery. We're bringing back some classic moments and episodes of Star Trek lore in the six-week hiatus. You let me know if there's a specific episode you want me to go back and review. We got it. We got six weeks hanging out here on Commander's Log. That is it for me. USS Post shows flying out. Live long and prosper, y'all. <laughs>